Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All right, guys. Welcome back. Earn Your Leisure, ATL edition. Yeah. Uh, we got a very, very uh, special guest, special yeah. episode. It's, it's crazy because yeah. we, we've covered real estate a lot. But we covered it from wholesaling, mm -hmm. from development, mm -hmm. from investing. Um, but we haven't covered it from a realtor's perspective. Yeah. So we have Kiana Watson, who is one of the top realtors in Atlanta, top 5% realtor. Top 5, top 5, top 5, top 5, top 5. <laughs> <laughs> top 5 for sure. Um, and she has her own firm too, yeah. Kiana Watson Associates. And that, I thought that was really dope to highlight somebody that not only has performed at an extremely high level um, in the business, but as a business owner as well. So yeah. this is gonna be a very um, interesting conversation because we're gonna talk about it from the realtor's perspective mm -hmm. and also from a business owner's perspective and get a, get a different spin on real estate than we've, we've gotten in the past. We got and, the right person, um, man. We got the right person. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm excited to talk about my perspective and let you guys know what it's like to be a realtor in the metro Atlanta area and you know what it takes if you want to get in this industry and what it's going to take if you want to really start investing and building generational wealth through real estate so. yeah for sure so all right so i was saying off camera like you know we're from new york and um starting out like in business for Whew. me like years ago 
I used to go to like these networking events and stuff like that. And everybody there was a realtor. Like <laughs> it was like so many realtors. And I realized that the reason why there's so many realtors is because it's, it's like a commission based job. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but it's a high turnover. Right. But, but if you are successful, like you can make a bunch of money. So it's like million dollar listings and stuff like that. And especially like, you know, those high end markets, New York, LA, now Atlanta. So how did right. you, what, what made you get into, into the game? Like what made you want to be a realtor? I stumbled across uh, a group of ladies. So let me rewind. When I moved to Atlanta, I moved by myself, 06. Um, and I was North Carolina. Yeah, from North Carolina. Get, originally from North Carolina. Get them some love. We're going to yeah, get them some yeah. love. Okay, by shout, myself. Shout out to the Ville. Shout, shout out, out to the Ville. Shout out to the Ville. And I was working in this little marketing firm. You know, they call it a marketing job, but you really a telemarketer. You're in a little cubicle. And I'm like, all right, you know. I, I'm not really feeling this. So I went to this like little bar, little club, and I saw all these fly chicks like all bossed up. Like, I'm like, what y'all do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need to know. And um, they were like, we're realtors, we do real estate. And um, at the time, they were, the girl I met, she actually was a part of like a small boutique, all lady, all female um, real estate firm. So I got my real estate license and I joined them. It's been up since then. You got the real estate license in North Carolina? No, I got my real estate license here in 2007. Okay. So, mm-hmm. And then, so how does that transition into, um, we're going to talk about like owning the business, but like at what point do you say, okay, it's cool, but I want to actually be on the other side and own my own firm? What happens is this, when you are selling real estate and you're out here and you hustling and bustling, because if you are really going to make some money out here, mm-hmm you're going to have to work for it. And it's not like you're going to sit behind a desk either. Like you get up in the morning and you behind the wheel. You know, you go where your clients go and you got to really hustle. So at some point you have to decide what you want to do. What type of quality of life do you want? You can take that knowledge and you can train a group of people to perform like you and they, they become, you know, like your passive income. Yeah. That's why you want to have a team. You know, you want to you want to create your own. And then on top of that, you can make sure that your people are getting serviced the way that you would service them because there's, like you said, it's everybody an agent, yeah. but everybody's not a performing agent. Mm. You know, there's a big a difference. difference. So is, difference. is there a difference between being a realtor and a real estate agent? It's a difference. So when you're a real estate agent, you just got your real estate license. You're using the regular forms. You know, you don't have a code of ethics. And you're not part of a board. Okay. When you're a realtor, you're part of a board of realtors. So the good thing about that is we have special training. We also have different contracts that we use that protects the best interests of our clients and us. Okay. So you really want to be work with someone that's a realtor because they're held to a different standard. They have a code of ethics. But on top of that, just to add, they we have training that we're that we're a part of, mm-hmm. and we're involved in the community in the growth of our community. So let me ask you a question because um, I heard somebody in the life insurance business say one time, and it was like, life insurance agents, it's the hardest business to make fifty thousand. It's the easiest business to make five hundred thousand. Meaning, like if you really if you get a niche market and you you can really do a couple policies and make a lot of money, or you can be chasing people down for $100 and work 20 hours a day and make $30,000 a year. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, being a realtor is kind of similar. Like, you either hit it big or struggling. <laughs> so You up all night. <laughs> you up all night with it. Let me tell you, that's the truth. That's the truth. That's why I'm saying that it's going to be 20% of the agents do 80% of the business. Because you can, it's easy, the barrier to entry to get your real estate license is so low. All you need is a high school diploma and no felony. Pass the test. Test is a week. Take the class for a week, pass the test, boom, you have a real estate license. Is that true in every state? Every state, pretty much. 
Everything so. is the same. You don't have to have a college degree to be a realtor. You just have to have a GED mm -hmm. and no felonies. So how do you separate yourself? All right, being that it's so competitive, yeah. there's so many people and it's a low bar entry. How do you separate yourself? How did you separate yourself um, as opposed to everybody else that maybe would not be successful? By being myself, but also I'm... I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty smart, you know, <laughs> I know my stuff and that is my biggest selling point. A lot of people work with me because they're, you're working with someone that knows what they're talking about, but I'm also relatable. You know, back in the day they had the black suit, everybody, <laughs> up. you know, you know, you got the, black, the tie, you got the hair in the bun in the back. We're not doing that anymore. I started to really use social media as a way to highlight I'm human, but I know what I'm talking about and I'm relatable. People love to work with people that they can relate to. And I've been able to grow my business by being knowledgeable and also relatable. Was there a specific deal or client that you had that made the shift for you? Like, you know what, I got this deal and now it's brought me in so many more. Is it, was there a specific moment? Oh, absolutely. Um, there was one person. So when I got back, so I had my real estate license, started managing multifamily communities when the market crashed. And mm -hmm. I got back into real estate full time in 2015. So now I was coming back. My cousin had her coworker and she was like, she wanted to buy a house. I'm like, all right, let me work with her. Four houses later, two mm. investment properties later, plus I'm about to go help her sell a piece of land and she's referred me to like six people. She was like a supervisor of like this big company. Um, so that just changed the game for me because you got to keep in mind, when I came back, I was just like, I'm posting, I'm talking, <laughs> but I ain't selling nothing, <laughs> you know? And um, she gave me an opportunity and it's just been uphill from there and it changed my perspective about building long-term relationships. Because yeah. sometimes I look at being in this business and I used to be so much like, we did the business, that's it, let me move on. Now I'm like, hey, what you doing? Let's go to lunch. Like on some GP, not trying to sell you nothing, not yeah. trying to list nothing. We don't even talk about real estate. I'm talking about life. We rode our bikes through like, um, Grant party, like we just doing things, and mm -hmm. I figured I understand that it's about building the relationship with people when they like you and they feel like you're just not there to take. Yeah, you keep going. Is that part of the success too, right? You, oh, absolutely. You're, you're creating an experience. It's not just selling. We're creating experience. I, I create an experience. Right. You know, I, I I have, but the good thing is because I get a lot of my clients from social. I really like my clients. Like mm -hmm. they people I can hang out with. We can go have drinks. We can hang out. Yeah. Like we really cool, and so it helps me so much. So I want to I want to keep up with them. You know. So. Let me ask you this, um, referrals, you have a referral system? I don't have a system in place. I just, it's to the, to the point where I literally, I can, I post a video on social, like, I, you know, not to brag, but I could get on here and talk a little bit about real estate. I get 15 leads next day, DMs. So social email. media is like you're driving. Driving force. <laughs> and then on top of that, people refer me that just follow me. So they follow me there. I got a girl, she was in Chicago. She referred me to her brother, never worked with me, but she's like, I follow you. You got to work with her. He bought his house with me. Do you network with like other like mortgage brokers or other professionals that might give you leads or? Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, this is my thing. If we gonna do business together, you gotta give me some leads. You gonna have to be a sponsor. You gonna have to be a part of whatever I got going on. Um, the, hard, the biggest part of it is working with other like mortgage brokers. Like one thing I can say, there are certain people like <laughs> that actually can't, that, that got a big enough audience that can give you some leads. You know, can I shout somebody out? Yeah, feel free. I mean, feel free. Why not? You know, okay, you know MG, anybody like that? Matt. Matt. I know a friend. Matt, Matt, the mortgage guy. Shout MG. out to our brother, MG. Yes. Um, he definitely um, can give some leads because he has a big platform. Unfortunately, a lot of lenders that I know, they, they, they still in the old ages. They don't really have that. They don't have them that leads to give. They want to just take. Mm. And I don't like that. You ain't working with me if you're not giving me something. No, nah, I learned that early on in businesses. Like, you got to develop a team. Right. So it's like if you are in business and your clients need a lawyer or your clients need an accountant, 
you should develop a relationship with the accountant and a lawyer because oh, yeah. it could work vice versa. Mm -hmm. Because like the more business that you give them, now they're in a position where it's time for them to refer business to you. Exactly. And it's the same. It's almost every industry, there's somebody who you can network with. Absolutely. There's always more to network with. I, I have found accountants. I work with lenders, appraisers. You want to be you want to be a one-stop shop because your clients are going to call you and they right. want your opinion when it comes to home inspectors, all of these people. You network with them, you build a relationship. And so it's like if you on my list, you know, cuz I got a list of people, then you you, you know. You made it. Oh, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> you made so, it. So I I'm sure you get a lot like you said you get a lot of leads. How do you sort out the serious ones from like these people are not serious about actually acquiring real estate. Well, you, you, I mean, you know, at some point you can't be the first point of contact anyway. You, right. you running a business. When you go, when you go to the doctor's office, you see the person at the front desk, yeah. then you see the nurse, then you see the doctor. All right. You so got the vetting system. You got, you got to, you got to, you got to get through my selling assistant. You got to get through one more conversation, then you get to me. Uh -huh. By the time you get to me, you've been vetted enough, and I know what you need. But I got a lot of emails. I already think templates. I got everything, any question you ask, we got it for you. Perfect. No, I'm glad you said that because um, I learned that early on in business. <laughs> oh, where, yeah. Um, no, I did. That's right. You, you can't <laughs> No. Have you ever seen that meme when it's like 16 heads, you like the admin, you the person showing yeah. the house, you the person picking up the phone. That's, you can't do all yeah, that. Yeah, because it's like, because one time somebody told me I was like eager to, to make a sale and they told me they was like, you got to respect your time and you can't, you can't let people know that you're this eager. Cause it's like if you if you want to go to the dentist, the dentist you can't call the dentist's cell phone. Right. You call a dentist. Make they have office hours. Yep. They'll say, okay, this is where this is what time we can fit you in. Exactly. Yeah. And people a lot of times in, in, in any form of sales, right? And this is why I tell people all the time in sales, in my opinion, if you are doing a service, your clients need you more than you need your clients. Exactly. It's important to understand that because once you fully understand that, it changes your mindset because now you're not chasing and running after people. And it's like it now it changes how somebody looks at you. Yeah. I, I just real quick, I just think like that's the power of social media, right? It's like I ha I follow you, so now I feel like I have direct contact exactly. with you. So like but, weeding that out is important. But you also have a way like you they, they feel like they have direct con contact with right. me, but they already know the moment my everything is on my calendar. Yeah. Like you call me, you contact me. All right, I, I, my assistant's about to follow up with you and figure out what your needs and wants are, and then she'll put you on the calendar. You trying to move in a year? You don't need to talk to me tomorrow. You know, you trying to sell your house today? I might have an opening at twelve thirty. <laughs> you know? No, I'm glad we, you said that too because that's right. something that people need to learn in business too is that you have to prioritize. Absolutely. You have A clients, B clients, C clients. See, a lot of times, this is why I love Earn Your Leisure because it's like there's no mentorship. So we don't fully understand business as a community for the most part. And we make a lot of mistakes, but, and we don't, we don't, we don't know, like it's okay to segment people in different categories because some, it's like, once again, if you go to the doctor, if you have a toothache, that's important, exactly. but it's not as important as if you just got shot. Like you, <laughs> right. you need more urgent, you need more urgent attention, exactly. right? So they're not gonna treat. They're gonna say, okay, we just gotta wait a minute, and we're gonna bring the gunshot victim in first. Like so, it's the same thing with business. <laughs> like you have to be able to prioritize and say, this is more important to my business. Exactly. And I can get to this later. And if you don't do that, what you do is you do a disservice to your client. So the moment that you open the door to be all easily accessible and you, you don't call somebody back or you don't text them back because you don't have systems in place and you're trying to talk to 15, 20 people a day, you do a disservice because now your customer service is low. 
Now you're not following through with your systems. You yeah. have to set the right expectation for people. They respect that. Like, and people that don't respect my, you know, my schedule, you're not, you're not for me. You're definitely yeah. not a client. No, it's, it's, about, it's about matching. Exactly. And I, I, tell, I tell people that all the time. It's like, I might not be a good fit for you. You might not be a good fit for me. Exactly. So let's not even, because that takes, that takes the whole dynamic of how people look at you as well, right? Because it's like, I, you're not trying to work with everybody. No. It may be a good fit. It may not be a good fit. And then people was like, well, how can I be your client? Now they ask you to be a client. Like Bernie Madoff. See, we always got to learn from everything. <laughs> the, the one thing that Bernie Madoff did with, with that was genius is that he positioned himself where people were, like, if you watch this movie, I think his minimum was like, for a fund was like um, $10 million. Mm -hmm. And the guy came to him like, I have $5 million. He needed the money. Bernie needed the money. He's like, I have $5 million. He was like, I can't help you. It's only 10. So the guy comes back like, can we do 7.5? He's like, ah, I can fit you in. Exactly. <laughs> That's a fact. Like, you know what I'm saying? But the psychology on it is like, if he would have said, I can, uh, yeah, let me give me your five, the guy gonna look at him like, the fact he acting yeah. like he don't need the money. Even if he, he needed it, he still act like he don't need it. See, one of my, my favorite quote is, you always be hungry, never thirsty. You know, you can't be out here being thirsty for any opportunity because you put yourself in a situation where people want to run over you because they think that they need, you know what I'm saying, that you need them. And business and, and in business life. And business and in life. life all of that, <laughs> You're vulnerable. You know? You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Yeah. And, and I feel like being exclusive and putting yourself in a position like, listen, I got a Monday and I got a Wednesday at 1 at 2, 1 at 11. If they want to work with you that bad, they're going to go. Yeah, I mean, Nobody's, you're not, you're not jumping to another. If you got a certain doctor you want to go to and you know this doctor right here going to do everything right, you're not going to say, oh, you're not available on Monday. Fine, I'm going to go to someone else. If you want that person, you're going to wait a month, a week. You know, that's, that's, how, that's life. And they, I think people have to start respecting entrepreneurs the same way they respect other, other industries. And in our, in our industries, especially the realtors, mm -hmm. they feel like any people like they can just take advantage of your time because they think that you have all this time. And if that means that they're running your business, you're not running your business. And you put in you you're not gonna be able to grow that way. You said that you obviously have systems in place now. I'm wondering at the start, is this something that you had to learn by making mistakes oh, or yes, I so made a in lot the, of in mistakes. the beginning <laughs> in the beginning when what did it look like prior to like I have to make some changes before Oh, at, in the beginning you talking, I'm up seven AM hitting the ground running. I'm showing houses by eight thirty, as soon as the lockbox is open. I'm taking calls in the car. I'm pulling over to the side of the road, like I'm eating lunch, doing phone consultations, three or four phone consultations, and I'm going off to go show three more houses to another client. Then I'm at a Starbucks writing a contract. And by the time I get home, it's 10:30, 11 o'clock at night, and I still got 10 things to do because I don't have anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm the person. I'm the business. Yeah. And once I got, I was like, okay, this ain't working. And one person, I was supposed to meet her. Like I'm going, we had an in-person meeting. It was on the calendar and everything. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I missed it. I just missed it, missed the whole appointment. She at the office waiting for me. I'm somewhere across town showing houses. And that, even, she did not work with me. She definitely decided <laughs> to work with somebody else. But that was a learning experience Lesson for me. I to take a step back and slow down and get me some systems in place because now I'm ruining my reputation. Right. And that right there will ruin your business. Yeah, not even intentionally you're doing yeah, it. It's, just, it's not intentional. Yeah. Nah, one thing, exactly. I, one thing I learned from sports is that you got to slow down. Like all, oh, the, yeah. all the great ones, they slow down. Like I remember my coach, I used to play basketball, and my coach used to tell me, he was like, you moving too fast. Mm -hmm. You can't see the game. Like you just running. He's like, when you slow down, and it's, 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 when you think about it, you, it doesn't really make sense until you actually are in it. Because it's like most of the time you're thinking, I'm going to go full speed. That's how I'm going to be successful. But the slower you, you go, the more 
time you can actually have to evaluate yeah. things, look at things, yeah. and that's true yeah. in business as well. It's like a lot of times entrepreneurs, this goes back to having help and having systems in place. Of course. Yeah. You try to do everything yourself, you ru you're running too fast. Yeah. And it's only so fast you're gonna run, you're gonna just burn out. Exactly. Yeah. You slow down, you get help, now you can see your vision improves yeah. and now you can actually scale at a much larger pace than if you're just trying to just go full speed ahead. Yeah, view, viewpoint changes, perspective changes, you get to see a lot clearer, man, that's true. And that, just, and that comes a lot with just learning. You know, we have to learn how to be entrepreneurs. A lot of us don't know. And I came across this one realtor, he, you know, he was dope. He got into the business, he just literally switched from working like a corporate position, got a small loan from the bank, and he literally just started hiring a team. He didn't have one sale. Mm. He hired a team, hired an assistant. He did all of that immediately before he had one sale. And his business is running like a well-oiled machine. But then I look at other races, or sometimes us, we just jump out here, get going, and now I'm like, oh, I need help. Okay, let me, okay, then we, then we, keep, then we hire one person. Oh, you think the person's supposed to read your mind? Hold up, oh, I gotta write down my systems. And I think that if we learn from the beginning, because the best time to really write down what your plan is is from the beginning, not when you're in it. Because yeah. you will have to take a step back. You're going to miss some money. It's like franchises. We did an episode on franchises, yeah. and it's like you, you don't open a McDonald's just wing it. McDonald's has a, a book that's 600 pages. Everything from how you fold the napkins is already yeah. – all you got to do is just read the book and follow it. Exactly. The system is in place. System's mm -hmm. in place. And exactly. like you say, a lot of times we don't have systems – so your business is never going to be successful if you don't have a system. You're just winging it. Exactly. You're winging it, and you won't scale, and you will burn out because you're one person. That's a fact. Yeah. Troy? No, I was going to say, I'm thinking at that time, right, you got your license in 07. Let's go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then 2015, things changed. What was your mindset in those in-between years, right? Like when, you, when it was like the market had crashed, what was the mindset then? I kept my license, you know, so yeah. I was still doing a deal here and there part-time, but my mindset was – let me get myself ready and this time i'm not gonna think that nothing will never happen and i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna I'm go hard I, when i first got my license i wanted to be like the people i saw but i know mentally i wasn't really ready mm. because there are people that actually made it through the market shift and they just did what they needed to do and didn't have to go get a nine to five yeah. but mentally i wasn't prepared for that i wasn't prepared to basically kill what i eat and so i had so during the time that i was working in, in multi-family i got so many gyms because I seen, I seen a lot. Yeah. I seen, I seen how they were taking advantage of people. I understood, like, cause in my position, my job, like, people think a property manager job is just, oh, you just in the office. Our job is to bring in revenue. Our job is to rig that refrigerator so we can get our bonuses, and you are sitting there what we know is a jacked up refrigerator. Yeah. That's that's our job, and we have in, in the property management position. That's the bottom bottom yeah. line. So I learned so much in that being there. You're still in the game. I'm still in the game. Yeah, so still in the game, just just in different position. Just a different position. And watching it. Exactly. And I, so so it, it just geared me up. I was like, I need to run my business like a business, yeah. and I treat people how I want to be treated. Yeah. And really. Focus on building this generational wealth. There's so many people that I used to manage that could buy a house. They just mentally didn't understand that they could do it. Mm. Got the credit score because I'm looking at your credit. I see your pay stubs, but you rather stay here and continuously get this 7% rent increase. And I was doing seven because I needed my bonus. 7%. I never not got it. <laughs> That's I pretty high. That's pretty high. <laughs> seven seven percent annual? Oh, yeah. That's pretty high. <laughs> but they but they would go for it because I'll throw them in like, I'll say, okay, we'll, we'll give you one new refrigerator. The refrigerator costs... <laughs> Four ninety-eight, black refrigerator. I ordered wholesale for my. But the thing about it is, they're like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna stay." They sign off on sure. the lease renewal. 
I'm getting my quarterly bonuses. Life is good. But the thing about it, eventually, like, this ain't right. Yeah. You know? Does it have an ice maker? Nah. I'm talking about plain. All right, plain. Plain plain Jane. Yeah. Plain Jane with it. Plain Jane refrigerator. No, no, no special That's toppings. Tough. No all. specialty. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really back here to help people. Like you know. Do better, you yeah. know. Do better, and let's really build some, build something. Yeah, that shows a lot. That shows a lot of character in your part, right? Like yeah. the perseverance of it. Like, yo, you saw a downfall, but you said, "Let me stay in the game, man." That, yeah. that says a lot. You gotta stay down until you come up. I say all the time, it's, it's wins and losses in this game, but you gotta be able to keep your composure. And that's that's another thing that in business is like you gotta keep your composure. You can never get too high, never get too low. Okay. Um, and the market crash, two thousand and eight. A lot of people were not able to keep their composure, whether they were in stocks or real estate or just, okay. and you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, you were living proof that you made it through that and now you're thriving. So we covered the, we covered the business, but um, I want to give the people the gems on real estate. So in the next segment, we're going to talk about real estate and, um, you know, different ways how people can improve their property listings and, and tips for agents and things of that nature. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right, so in this segment, I want to I want to um, give some tips to people. So you're a realtor. So the first thing is like when you're showing people properties and things of that nature, right? We always hear about like good neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods. Like, what makes a neighborhood, quote unquote, a good neighborhood? Like for people that's looking to buy a home, and they always say the school system, but like what else? Well. I'm looking at the numbers, so I'm a, I'm a numbers person. So if you're interested in a certain area, I'm going to run the market stats. I'm looking into curved Atlanta. I'm looking at the developments that take place. So I have like a little spreadsheet. I start developing on zip codes and keeping up. So if the appreciation values are going up year over year, that's a good thing. If they're going down year over year, that's something I, I want to talk to you about. So that doesn't make a great neighborhood if the appreciation values are on the negative and not in the positive. So people start, start focusing on the schools when you need to be looking at the values or the values going up or down. That's number one, that what makes a great neighborhood. Um, I feel like the second part what makes a great neighborhood is what's important to the client. There are some people that they wanna be in a live work space. They wanna have some place that they can walk outside and happy hour and all that. Then we need to find out if that's a good neighborhood for you. And then you have other people, I wanna walk nature trails, you know, I wanna be mm -hmm. in those types of areas. So. It's, it's not general, it's client specific, but generally speaking, everybody should be worried about appreciation values and school systems because the, both of those go hand in hand when it's time for you to sell your property because every property is a profit. Mm -hmm. that you should look at your house as a bank. You're trying to make money when you sell this house. So what you say Curb Atlanta? Curb Atlanta. What's, yeah. what's that? And so it's a it's a basically it's a online magazine that you can use to look at different developments in different neighborhoods mm -hmm. and what's up and coming. So I was just looking up um, a project for in, in College Park. My clients are looking to get a property in College Park and they have this big six point five billion dollar project that's coming down there where they're making a mixed use space mm -hmm. down in that area. And the reason for that even though it's part of Fulton County, that area has been economically challenged for so long. Now they're going to bring in because the average median income that a person was making down there is like 29,000 a year. But the regular people up here in Atlanta on the north side of Fulton County is 65,000. Mm. So they have an initiative to make that better. And they're calling it Airport City because it's literally by the airport. I just, so, I just saw that y'all got a G League team coming to California. Oh yeah, exactly. So you got, I keep up with what's going on in our city. That's and I can tell you that if you were looking to invest, maybe you want to look over here because now the prices are low, but they won't stay low when the project comes up. Is it, did that that website also shows the appreciation values? No, no, that's okay. that's on the back end. That's okay. you got to do some work for that. That's okay, a, okay. that's the agent thing. You know, okay. you're gonna have to log into your your MLS mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to run some stats. Okay, you gotta so run some a regular person can't not publicly be able to see that. No, 
Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Is there any way a regular person could see if appreciation values are going up? You can up? see something because you know what? A lot of our stats now, even though they're a little skewed, I hate, I hate, I hate Zillow. Let me say that. <laughs> I hate Zillow. Nah, I don't want Zillow you to told use me that. my house was worth eight hundred thousand. <laughs> right. And the owner of Zillow, you know, he even sold his house for less than the house he said his own house was worth. But you can use site like sites like that to get a general idea of what's going on in the market mm -hmm. because it'll, if you scroll down, it'll talk about values and recent souls. So that'll give you help if you don't you know, necessarily want to jump out the window with a realtor, you can at least see what's going on there. So when you're showing a house, right, staging a house, what's that process like? Are, are, are you or your company putting the items, the furniture, every, the decor into the house? Like, how's that work? Well, you, well, okay, I have what's called the friendly little, um, a friendly little, um, staging, so I have like a couple of items I keep in the storage room. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, you ain't if you ain't really got the budget, or if we just need a, a few things like a pillow or something like that, a plant. Yeah. You know, I I go over there, I put that in. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's nothing because I'm a, you know when the house sells, it makes it better. Other than that, if it's like a full staging project, it depends. We have so many ways we can do. We got virtual staging. Got a company can just basically virtually stage the whole house. I mean, person is gonna be empty. But those pictures, you're going to show up, you know? <laughs> then you also have companies that you can hire to come in and stage the properties for you, yeah. which is what I do for people that's like, listen, you need to stage this prop property to sell it. Okay. Yeah. So as far as, like, school system, because that's a big one, how do you know, like, it, it was, like, the schools, like, four-star, it's, like, ratings? Like, what's, oh, yeah. What, what, yeah. Like, what do you look at, like, to see the so schools? You, go to, you can see it everywhere, but I like to go to greatschools.org. Greatschools.org. Yeah. So that good website site. is good site. Um, I like the site because it tells you a lot about the neighborhood in the area because, you know, due to fair housing, we can't say certain things to our clients. But when you go to, to greatschools.org, not only does it tell you the star of the school, mm -hmm. but it also tells you the demographics of the students and it tells you each category. So science, they're growing, fail, you know, they're low in math, so yeah. it's categorized. So if you're looking at demographics of the students, then you know the demographics of the parents. Yeah, and then uh, parents can write reviews and everything exactly. about the school they district. Write reviews about the school, so it helps. I tell people to use greatschools.org well, to well, yeah. find out about. The Once school upon a time, I, I, exactly. there was a review written about me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were a teacher. I am. I oh am. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know about that side. I do. Good All right. Yeah, good side. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's definitely a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> um. So, how important is comps? That's like the most important thing. Absolutely, you gotta have comps, and you have to search for comps. So I was, I'm so obsessed with comps. I took an appraisal class at the beginning of this year. Oh, maybe it was the end of last year. I don't know. Everything's running together. But I, <laughs> oh I, I really, <laughs> I really wanted to know, like, how are these appraisals coming up with these numbers? Because they're disputing me. If I'm on the selling side, yeah. it's like, wait a minute. I know this house is worth this. Like, how are you guys coming up with this? So comps are important because appraisals have to happen for people to get the houses financed Can, and if it comes in below value it's an issue we i had a very very uh, unfortunate situation when it came to appraisals what where i didn't even know there was a class so where can somebody take the class and are you noticing there's more people that look like us taking these classes because that is the part of the, the the home buying process that can make or break things the class i was in it was just me and one um it was three of us okay. in there. <laughs> it was only three of us. It was 8 o'clock in the morning. You had to drive like an hour and a half outside the city to get there. It was only three of us there. But I took the class, and there's a few things I learned about these appraisals. Mm -hmm. First of all, they just they, they, they can get their license the same way in rules to get their license. It's low barriers to entry. They're human, too. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you got to walk through them. You know, you, if they're not really an experienced appraiser, yeah. I learned from my listings, go ahead and put my comps on the kitchen table. I'm trying to meet them at the house. I'm trying to explain to them at the moment 
what how I came up with my comps and why they should use mine. Because okay. by the time they write it on the report, is even though you can dispute it, they never get changed. Yeah, because that's some, that's important. Because what he's referring to is I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um the bookings agency institute did a report last year and they said that um, black homes were undervalued by 156 billion dollars. Did you know about that? Yeah. So and we did it. We did a whole thing on the podcast about it. And Troy actually, um, it happened to Troy. His yeah. his house got crazy. like it's devalued. Crazy. Or like sixty thousand dollars. It happens a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand yeah, compared to his neighbors with like same type of houses. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's called redlining. You know, it's, yeah. let's, let's not act like it doesn't happen. Now, but I'm I I'm honestly speaking, I tell my clients to take all those personal pictures out the house. You don't know. You my clients are ambiguous when you walk in there. You don't know who owns this house, mm-hmm. what they look like. I do it on purpose. I tell them take them out. Like don't even hide them in the closet. Take them out the house. Put them in somebody else's house. Put them in your trunk. You don't because people are. It's, it, it, this it's human nature. It's a dirty game. It's a dirty game. Even if even if it's even if it's subtle, if it's subtle, it, it's yeah. like they could still have a a, a hidden yeah, yeah. S- you know it's a objective yeah it's a hidden objective. But if there's more people on the side of you know the, the people who are actually from our communities actually doing these appraisals, then we we may have a, a fair chance. We'll have may. a fair chance yeah. because we we know what to fight for, right. you know, and we know what makes sense. You can fight. You could successfully fight an appraisal. It may delay your, your closing, but if you, you have the comps and you can r- run down the numbers and you can show, you can fight an appraisal. You just need someone to do it for you. Okay. You need so, to have them look at that. So how, how do you fight? How do you fight the appraisal? The number one thing is you're going to have, like, I've done a few title, like a few appraisal fighting. Mm-hmm. One, you need to make sure that you're comparing apples to oranges. So you got to break down the comps when it comes to the upgrades in the house. That stuff counts. Mm-hmm. Looking at the square footage, that counts. And sometimes they'll leave off a good chunk of your square footage. So maybe you want to hire your own company to come in and measure the square footage of your house. That's the number one mistake that mm. people actually look over. You, I had one house, they was missing a whole 900 square feet. Of course yeah. you they, they, that. That's exactly what happened. They said that, <laughs> See? and and Chad, he knows for sure, like the lower level of my house, they didn't count. Exactly, they do that often. At all, like, and we have like a gym down there, a whole another like, almost apartment. A yeah, window, bathroom. Now, like, you know how you, as long as you got a window, door, extra door, it's, a, it's counted as a finished space. See, they're still counting it as an unfinished space right. because the tax records had it as unfinished probably before you finished out that bottom. Yeah. And so this a lot of times, like I said, you got to fight that. Like, no, this is my square footage. This is how I had a company come out and measure. Yeah. And I'm going to pass this up. So you ha- you can dispute that. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and and can you like complain about an appraiser? Like, is there like a complaint Absolutely, board? Absolutely, because they all appraisers work for work for a company. So right. when you look at the very bottom where they sign off, there's a company name there. Get in t- get in touch with the person that's a char- in charge. Yeah, I still have his Don't, name written down. Yeah, you can't <laughs> you can't just go by the person that comes out and appraise. Like they're working for a major company, mm-hmm. but the company that they work for, then you need to send them your grievances and your evidence and go from there. It happened to DL Hughley. Um, yep. Oh yeah, yep. I saw yep. that. Yep. I saw yep. that. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. And it was like um, he got his house to pray, and it was so low that the bank actually called him and thought that he had like damage done to exactly. it. Exactly. And so it was just such an egregious situation and obviously he's famous so that helped probably too the bank actually reversed it and they apologized but they was like he was like it was it was so low compared to his neighbors they thought it was like damage Mm -mm. but that it still happens and that's why i think that we have to be very careful when you're working with people and you know know your stuff if you're a homeowner you need to know you need to have documentation of upgrades you've done in your house keep up with that you need to have documentation of your square footage Anything that you've done in your property, you need to keep up with that and keep it. 
we're so lackadaisical until we need it. Mm. Then when you're in a position where you want to sell and you come in undervalued, you can't even keep find the documents to prove it. One time I fought a little appraisal by actually having every single receipt that my client used to upgrade their kitchen. Mm-hmm. I put all that in a, in a big package. I wrote it out. I wrote out what this would be, how this, how these comparing, comparing properties sold with these upgraded kitchens, and we got the house up $10,000, and they were trying to bring us down. Like, we still didn't hit the number I wanted, yeah. but we still got 10000 back credit. So mm-hmm. you can fight this stuff. You just got to know. So what makes a house more desirable? Because they always say, like, the kitchen it's like yes. something <laughs> yeah. that's Back like a rooms. big item. Like what? Yeah, yeah. You as a realtor, what would you suggest people that are looking to sell their home or even buy a home? Like what, what's the desirable things that people can do to add value to their homes? Well, I think general maintenance. I find a lot of times when people are ready to sell their house, they got in the house, house ain't been pr- pressure washed, washed since 06. Mm-hmm. You know, and you pressure washing, you can tell it's deferred maintenance on the property. So you need to get that stuff done if you want to sell for top dollar. Yeah. If you have a kitchen, and we know how those kitchens look back in the day, <laughs> but it was the walnut color cabinet, <laughs> and every and you walked in the house, it was like burgundy walls, and yeah. the other room was yellow. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to get agreeable gray yeah. in here ASAP. If you like my, <laughs> my grand, my old grandmother. Yeah. yeah if so, your fridge is white, if yeah. Your stove. <laughs> if your refrigerator is still white, but your stove is black because you replaced the stove with it broke, but your refrigerator is still kicking, these certain things you're gonna need to do. So you need to be prepared to just ha- general maintenance, unless you're trying to sell it below value. If you want to sell for top dollar, you need to present a product like that. The kitchen counts, um, the general maintenance of the property is yeah. what is really important to a lot of people. Yeah, one thing that they um, looked at and they took into account was the roof. Roof is important too. Oh yeah, roof huge. is huge. Yeah. I mean, if you're a homeowner, you need to be calling your home, you need to call your little insurance company anyway. Yeah. Was there some hell here? You yeah. better watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, 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 but it's kind of tricky because it's like, if you're trying to sell a home, at what point do you do too much renovation and it's like not really worth it? Oh, that's when you start looking at the comp. So I tell people all the time, there is a certain cat in your neighborhood. So don't go put in marble floors in a $200,000 house. You're not going to get your money back. Right. You know, you have to be very careful about that. So when you're looking at comps, look at the photos of what recently sold too. Look at, and then get a good idea of your area and your demographic. If you got a half million dollar house, don't use that sticker backsplash that you can get from Home Depot. I'm going to get some real tile back there. Yeah, but if you sell in a $160,000 house, you can throw the sticker up there. Yeah. We, you got to know. We spoke about that on, on the episode <laughs> with Matt when we, we were talking about 50 Cent. Uh, he put this multi-million dollar home renovations in it in a neighborhood that the average house is like 300000 It makes no sense. It's <laughs> white, never gonna white, elephant. Yeah, <laughs> white elephant. It's a white elephant. It's a white elephant. And you're never going to. First of all, an appraisal ain't going to be able. They're not going to be able to comp that. Like, what? Why would you? Like, no. You got to stay in line with the neighborhood. So you want to stay in line? You yeah. want to stay in line. You could do a little don't something do extra, much. but don't expect to get your money out of it if you take it too far. Don't go. That's, that's important yeah. for people yeah. to know because a lot of times people want to just do crazy things and put no. the jacuzzi in the, with the grotto. Uh-uh. You, you do that. <laughs> you do that if you want that. But you got the movie <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> You got a whole movie theater. Yeah. It might have cost you all this money, but you ain't getting it back. Strobe lights and yeah. everything. Heated pool. Shout out to 50, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's so it's so so when 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 <laughs> somebody's selling a house, what what are some of the fees, right? If, like I think people don't really understand that. What are some oh. of the fees that come along with selling a house? When you're selling your property, you're paying to sell your property. So there's a lot of fees that can come along with that. So you have the of course general maintenance, getting the house ready to go on market, mm-hmm. but you pay the agent. You pay us. 
Who, who you think pays the buyer? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you pay for the you pay the buyer's agent and the selling agent. So you have those expenses, and then the only other expense that you have is like your prorated taxes. And if you have a homeowners association, you're gonna have to get the clear HOA letter. So your 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 fees are minimal. Yeah. But the biggest fee you pay is your realtor. What about is that the closing cost as well? Because I see it's like tricky. Sometimes the buyer has it, sometimes the seller does it. Well, How does that no, work? Well, this is this is the thing. The buyer can negotiate closing costs. Mm -hmm. You look at the market, you look at the area. You need to when you're pricing the property, you need to look at also I I personally I look at what's been going on in the area, the recent sales, and on average, what are the sellers contributing? Because my biggest thing is I don't want you to set the expectation that nobody's contributing anything and you don't have to when the whole area everybody's in contribute ten thousand dollars on the mm. on the average. Okay. They don't have to contribute. Yeah. If you get like an FHA loan, they can contribute up to six percent. They can do three percent on a conventional loan, but they don't have to contribute anything because that's their profit. Mm. So if you get enough demand for the property, which is you know my thing is getting multiple offers, create the bidding war, and like hey somebody not gonna need the money or you need a thousand dollars, boom. I'm taking that offer before I take somebody to need ten thousand. Okay. How do you negotiate? Like, okay, you can negotiate closing costs, but like, what's the lower you, the lowest you can go on that? Zero. I have sold houses where my sellers have sold have contributed no dollars to the closing costs. Find your own money. Really? Yes. Mm. I tell buyers that all the time. Like, you're not entitled to the profit from the seller. The seller has their own expenses. They're paying these realtors fees, sometimes seven percent realtor fees yeah. that they have to pay just to even get their property sold, they don't necessarily have to. It depends on the area, the, de the demand that you create by staging the property, getting the property prepared for marketing, pricing it correctly, and having an agent like me, you know, <laughs> you may not have to, you may so, not have to pay. So it. has anybody tried to negotiate, do you negotiate your fees? No. Non-negotiable. No, not I, playing that game. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I tell people that my, that's my, the number, y'all. That is the number. My favorite, my favorite line is: If you want me to negotiate my fees, can I negotiate my service? Mm, mm. Like as long that. as long as you want me, to, as long as I can negotiate my service, we can do this. I like that. You so, know? so that's the seller's fees now. The commissions fee is there a standard commission fee for realtors? Yeah, it's, and it's it's subjective: seven percent, six percent, seven percent. Okay, and so that's about the fee of it. The whole, the total price of the property times seven percent. Yeah, because okay. that's like these million dollar listings. Like that, sh you ever oh, watch that show? Pay. Oh, police! Yeah, yeah I watch that show. That's because yeah, I, I think that's like what people really like are attracted. That's what you want. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Because I, I mean, then you still split the money. You know, you got the selling side, and the buyer side. The way for you to really come in, so you li like I list the property. Yeah. So I get my six percent commission if I bring a buyer and I'm representing the seller. Because in our state, we can do dual agency. I was gonna ask you represent that. both, yeah. but. If you bring the buyer, then I got to give you half of that. So I get my three, three. you get three. Okay. So you can you. It's not a conflict of interest to represent both. Depends. It can be a conflict of interest. One person becomes a client, the other person is a customer. It's the only way you're able to do it. It really you have to walk a fine line because you really generally speaking, then you're just there as uh, to consult and write paperwork. You really can't negotiate for e either party. I've done a couple of dual agencies with like investors or people that really know what they want. It's real hard to do dual agency with a first-time buyer. I'm gonna tell you that now. It's As a matter of fact, if I get a first-time buyer, I'd rather refer them to a, uh, like a person with my team before I uh, before I try to negotiate because I'm going I'm fighting hard for my seller to keep their money. You a buyer, you fighting hard to get money. How are we gonna make this work? Hmm. You know, especially a first-time buyer. Now an investor, they're different. They know what they want. They're good. You know. Yeah. So let me. Also, so you, you deal with luxury homes, right? Yeah. And over the course of maybe a couple of years, you've seen the, the median home go from 275000 you said? Yes. To now three twenty five in Atlanta? Yes. 
what are some of the factors that have led to that and what have you noticed with the buyers what what demographic is doing the buying well predominantly my clients are african-american okay so it's us we are making some moves here and the what has, what's the driving force is atlanta is growing now people can say what they want about mayor kasim reed and when he tore down all them churches and built that oh <laughs> <laughs> built the dome <laughs> tore down them historical churches but at the end of the day when he made that move and they built the mercedes uh Mercedes-Benz Dome, and they mm-hmm. kind of created State Farm Arena, and they redid that. Yeah. It created more opportunity for us. Now we have more opportunities. We have soccer games here. We have so much that's going Champions. on. Champions. Champions. Championships. Yeah, champions. So all these things. So we start with sports, and then we just, now let's go out. Now you got people like Tyler Perry telling people to come down here and build their own tables in Atlanta. You have The Rock that just bought a $9 million house here. You got Cardi B that just bought her house here. Yeah. What is happening here is people are seeing that there is wealth here. And the good thing is that's the driving part. That's how prices go up. We're creating our own black Mecca. We're becoming the black Hollywood that they said we were going to be. When I first moved here, they was talking about the Beltline. When I first moved here, they were saying that we're going to be the next black Hollywood. I see it actually happening now. And that was from 06. Speaking of Atlanta, speaking of the Beltline, and um, I saw a little baby on a breakfast club talking about, um, I guess he's from the west side of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And he was saying that his, his, his neighborhood, the prices is going up. Oh, because yeah. of the belt line. Can you talk about that? You say he's a big client of yours? No, no, no. He's, no this is oh. a, a big project. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the belt line is just basically a belt line connecting the entire city of Atlanta. People only think about the belt line being at the bottom, but it actually goes all the way around. And so what it does is really to help us, one, with traffic so you can get on and off the trolley. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, you have like parks and all these things that are connected. So we're really trying to build our own communities within the community. So they do yoga in the park. You can now bike the belt line down in South Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So they're creating these opportunities so we can be more like New York, you know, how y'all got <laughs> what you guys have. So we're trying to create that and there's restaurants and there's like live workspaces. So you're really trying to create that environment because now everybody is, you know, no longer has the aspiration to get the big house in the suburb. People now want to be close to the city. Mm-hmm. They're sacrificing space for that and they want to enjoy them li- their lives. That's the millennials. They want it right now. They want to walk outside right now. They want to go on the trolley and get to where they need to go right now. So that's the big part of the belt line. So Atlanta, specifically since we're in Atlanta, um, yeah. like what's the hot area that, because uh, it's the west side. That's like when Mercedes Benz Stadium is on the west side, right? Yes. That That's like the hottest area in Atlanta right now for real estate? Um, It's a lot of hot areas. If I had to choose one, like that had the most appreciation value, just, just based on the numbers, oh, yeah, I yeah. was running them the other day. They up 21% is the city of Decatur. Decatur. Yeah, the city of Decatur mm. is up 21% on appreciation values. The last time I checked on the west side, they're only up, they're up 12%, which is still good. East Atlanta is hot, but mm. they're up 8% because East Atlanta is actually taking a little while longer to get through the process and gentrify than other areas. Where we in East Atlanta right now, right? Yes, you are. Okay. Uh-huh. East Atlanta, same. 30316. <laughs> so 30316, this area is growing. If I could tell anybody by zip code, 30316, 30032, that's the city of Decatur, and then 30318, that's the hot area on the west side. So these areas are hot. When's yeah. the best, is there a best time, a more ideal time to get in into a deal? I tell people, if you're looking to buy, you want a really good deal, yeah. shop in the winter months. Winter? Why? Because... Yeah. Mm. If, if a person is selling their houses around Christmas, they want to sell. They're desperate. Uh. You get a better deal. I got, I, I literally, I, I onboarded so many clients around Christmas. I, that's why I didn't realize what year it was. But we, got <laughs> all, we all got crazy. They got crazy deals. Builders is throwing money at you because they don't want to start the year in the red. Yeah. So if you're buying a property, 
buy it in the winter months. By the time you get to spring, two things happen. That's what I always hear: buy spring, buy spring. Want to sell and buy in spring because so because they want to hurry up and do this before they get out of school, do mm-hmm. the transition. You have a lot of competition. Everybody's shopping in the spring. Prices are up in the spring. Mm. So from a buyer standpoint, you don't want to be out here when it's like 10, 15 people to one house, multiple mm. offer situations. No, I love what you say. You forgot what year it was because that's like when you when you really start to get money, um, you lose track of things. I remember yeah. one time it was like um, a free. It was the weather was freezing in New York, and I noticed every single day how I was checking the weather. And then I, 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 this winter, I don't, I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know the weather is. Doesn't right. matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. Like don't you got stuff to do. <laughs> it don't even matter. I'm telling you, I'm running so hard. I, I literally, I wake up, I just literally look at my calendar, I click the button, and it's I go. It's it really don't. It really don't. It doesn't matter. It was different. It's still different. It don't matter. Yo, you got stuff to do. But when, when it's slow, you know everything. You know, you know, <laughs> you know the humidity. You know the humidity. You know everything. Yeah, you feel everything different. So let me ask you this. Um, as far as like being a realtor, right? Like, how do you cause everybody wants the multi-million dollar listings in a but like how does that work? Like how do you get assigned to a house? Like how does how does that work? Oh, you you don't get assigned to a house, you gotta go get it. Mm. You know, you you actually have to network, you gotta talk to people. Talk to somebody that want to buy a house. Talk to someone that wants to sell their house, and you get that appointment. So, like an agency, but don't like big agencies have like they like give or every every you just gotta get it's it. open season. Let me tell you, big agencies they definitely not just gonna be giving you out leads. Mm-hmm. You know, they get opportunities. They they'll give you a couple of referrals. But if you are out here and you're selling and you want to get into these big deals, yeah. you build a relationship and you work hard and you keep going. That's how you get those listings. They're no, nobody's dropping it in your lap. No. No money dropping in your lap. That's true. What if somebody has the point of view where they trying to like do everything themselves, right? Because like we had like NFL age, a couple of NFL agents, and like a couple of NFL guys. They they they're not hiring agents anymore because they feel like they can negotiate their own contract and save money. What would you? What's your opinion if somebody wants to sell their home without a realtor to try to save money for the realtors? Is that a good idea, a bad idea? I see it happen all the time. Okay. And anytime someone is trying to sell their house without a realtor, it's statistically proven that they sell their house for twenty two percent. 22% less than they would have made if they had a realtor. And the reason for that is I've noticed, and I have sold a lot of people like for sale by owners, mm-hmm. they'll pay for a buyer agent. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pay somebody. They don't, cause they don't know the contracts. They don't know, they, they don't understand the terms. And I had one person, I'm like, I'm not representing you. I'm representing the buyer. If you got questions about this contract, you need to call your agent or oh, you don't have an agent, call your attorney. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing both jobs. That, that, that brings me to another question. It was like, what are some things that can kill a deal? Oh, the biggest deal killers I see that happen is repairs, repair requests. You get an inspector in there and they make a big deal out of something. Seller doesn't want to fix anything. And buyer is overly emotional and not understanding that these are just normal wear and tear. This is just normal things that happen in a house. Okay. That kills the deal quick. And then ego. Like, I never, I don't like my sellers. And my buyers, like if I'm work, I'm the me- I'm the median. If I get pushback, like if I get an attitude, I'm representing the seller, and I can tell this agent is being a little, little funny, mm-hmm. you know, a little itchy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not sharing that with my client because they emotional. Yeah. I'm not emotional about this. I got I got a job to do, you know. A lot of gems, a lot of information. Yeah. So in the last segment, we're gonna close it out with some more tips from realtors, and we're gonna talk about your business and um, yeah, your scaling model. All right. 
right, so in the, in the, we gonna we gonna talk about a few things. Um, but before I wanted to um, talk about a serious topic, something that's been in the news. Um, yeah. A young lady was actually uh, murdered. I think in Detroit. Um, she was a realtor. And um, what's the issue as far as especially like being a woman? Um, how is that as far as like are are there like rules in place, laws in place, and are there any tips for female realtors that you can um, recommend? Oh, definitely. Um, I can tell you for sure. There's there's tips. There's safety classes. One thing about being a realtor, they te- they get they have a lot of safety classes that mm-hmm. we take. But I'll say this: you need to have systems in place, and you can't jump and just run and meet people and show them houses. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Like I, the first thing I do. Um, shout out to my husband. The <laughs> so first thing I do, he's on my calendar. So I have my calendar on his phone. He knows where I'm at. Everywhere I go, everything I do, it's on my calendar. So some, he knows where I'm at at all times. Okay. Then you take it, take it to the next level, get a buddy system. You know, if you're going to meet a stranger to show a house, which you, I personally don't, everybody's a stranger to you, they're not, right? right. Yeah. So the first thing I do is like, we do phone consultation, but until you get an approval letter, you don't see me. I'm not seeing you without an approval letter, and I don't just take an approval letter. I want you to work with one of my preferred lenders, because mm-hmm. by the time I know they got all these stuff, they got your social, they got your ID, they don't ran your information. Background and check. By the time I get your approval letter, then I want a copy of your ID, and you meet me at my office or a public area, Starbucks, something like that. Then I get a feel for your vibe. You don't just go run see houses with me. We sign an exclusive agreement, and then if I feel comfortable moving forward, I do. I have turned down so many people because mm-hmm. i am a female and i'm on social media and i have gotten approached by some crazy nothing i'm like nah i'm good yeah i feel yeah. Like i don't feel i don't like the this energy vibe. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I feel i don't feel safe around you yeah. even though i got this approval letter and you may be spending a good budget yeah i don't think you're a good fit for me yeah i think i mean a lot of people don't even think about that like you're actually going to maybe yes. two to three houses a day with a complete stranger a that complete you never strangers they yeah. strangers to they're not and, exactly. and, and keep in mind they could tell someone to meet them there yeah, you, yeah. you exactly. pull up you trying to show a house. You're yeah. just trying to just get in and out. You know, and I always say when you go into a house, like I park on the side of the street because mm-hmm. I want to be able, if I got to run out, I got to jump in the car and go. I got a gun and a taser. And I carry, I mostly both. keep both. <laughs> and I keep, I keep a fanny pack because I like to have my stuff like in a fanny pack or whatever. Yeah. It's easier for you to have your hands free. Don't have these big, like I like my little designer bags and all that too. I love that, but mm-hmm. I'm not wearing that to go show a house. Okay. You know, and just be aware of your surroundings. Let them walk in front of you. They know you don't have to walk through the house and say, hey, here's the kitchen. They see that's the kitchen. Yeah. You know, here's the bathroom. You know, you can kind of do your tour. But if you feel uncomfortable, just don't go to that part of the house. I have actually been on. I had a client. He was a male client. And it was no, nothing to males, you know. He was a male client. And then he showed up with a, a male friend that I didn't know he was bringing somebody else with the tour. Yeah. I was uncomfortable, but he was already a client. So I opened the door and I stayed downstairs. Like, y'all take the tour upstairs. You let me know what you think. When he came back downstairs without like making them feel uncomfortable, I was like, well, they said it was marble floors up there, you know, just kind of built conversation and you just always kind of moving that way. So I think you got to trust your discernment and don't tell everybody where you at, especially on social media. Like, hey, I'm I'm at this property here on two, 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 five, eight, eight street. And you're, you're trying to get more clients, but you also become a target by letting people know your every move. So what I've started to do now with my social media, especially for people that are out here video and all that video the house save it and when you leave that location post it yeah the kakashi oh. takashi 69 strategy <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you're somewhere six, six hours after you left exactly. the but it, 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 you, you, you gotta think about nah 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 it's, it, yeah. you know yeah, what it's, and, and, and it's, it's a real situation especially for men it's things like that we don't even think about 
And it's like, as a woman, it's like so yeah. many things, like Uber drivers, so many different so areas many coming at us. where it's, it's a crazy world that we live in. Yeah. And um, we gotta, you got to be safe. And so I read important. that article, and the first thing I thought about is someone called her to see a house, and she showed it. That's yeah. exactly what I read. I saw all the other pieces, but so they called you, they wanted to see a house, and you rent. Mm. What ha- the middle part didn't happen. No systems. You system. missed a couple of pieces. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It could have helped save your life. It's unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. 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 So as far as your business, like, what's your scaling model moving forward? Um, what's your plan? You want to? Uh, how many agents do you have working for you now? I actually have two agents, two okay. assistants. Okay. Um, my scaling model is about really. I want to have about 50 agents eventually. Mm. And by the time I'm doing that, I'm not showing houses. I'm not selling houses. Throughout the I country? A, yeah, throughout the country, everywhere. Okay. You know, I definitely want to get my license in California. Definitely want to get my license in New York and Miami. I want to have my license in those big cities because those cities, of course, the median purchase price and sales price is so high. Mm. And the way that we work here in Atlanta, yeah. you know, no tea, no shades, people, no other agents. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we work hard for we work harder and we still get less mm-hmm. so we put this same i put the same type of effort and the average sales price is a, is a million dollars per house it's only up game you know, time it's a yeah. game changer i don't mind taking the time to learn the market gotta get so, you in new york gotta yes, get you in new york you see what i mean yeah. and then educating clients i get people contact me from other cities all the time yeah. so you do that so that's what i want to scale i want to scale up get in other cities make my mark there and eventually put myself in a platform where I'm really training agents on yeah. how to do this the right way and have a long time business, not like a short time stint. Yeah. So you're educating clients, but you also want to educate agents. Yeah. Is there a system in place now that like if somebody calls you or like a sort of a mentorship piece that you provide now? Not yet. It's launching though. So Uh-oh. I will be launching my <laughs> agent tools for success. Um, it's the online site. We're going to do webinars, um, eBooks, and also coaching calls. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm launching that very soon. Like I'm wrapping up just a few, few small tweaks in it. Cause I see that there's a need for people to get information. By the time I get 15, if I do a live or do, uh, do a video or something, and I got 15 emails yeah. from agents asking for advice and I got two leads. All right. So you guys are, you need some information and you want someone to help, help you learn, you know, this industry. All right. So what, are you looking to hire new people? Like, what's that process as far as bringing agents on? Are, are you open to bringing new agents on now or? Not right now. Okay. Um, same way we're talking about systems. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of more systems I want to put in place before mm-hmm. I bring on more agents and really writing down, writing down my expectations because it, you, you don't want to, people can leave when they want to. They take your knowledge and they go, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to put people in a position where it's a value for me in them. And when you do come, you need to come with a certain skill set already because you can't teach personality. You can't, you can, I can teach you the technical things already, but if you don't have the skills to have personality, if you don't have the drive, I'm not trying to coach you to get out the bed. Mm. Now I'm not here for that. I'll coach you to do your job and get better at your craft, understanding how to sell, understanding um, body language, understanding how to talk to people, how to adapt to certain people. I'm one person, but I'm a different person depending on each client. You bubbly, I'm bubbly. You Mm. cool, I'm cool. You know, whatever you need from me, I'm gonna be that. That's what that's how I'm selling. You know, yeah, just keep the same and energy. Keep this, yeah. keep, I'm giving you the energy you give me. Yeah, and it and it relaxes people. Some people don't even know how to do that small, simple skill. Yeah. So that's something that I'll I'll coach on. But if you need somebody to motivate you just to get up, don't come over here. So somebody has extreme drive. Right? Yeah, you you gotta be extreme. Their passion. What if they haven't had experience yet in the game, right? Is I'm that fine. a requirement? Did, no. Okay. I, actually, I prefer people with no experience. Okay. That way, you don't have any bad habits. Uh, You're not coming here with no bad habits. You coming with no expectations, no bad habits, 
and you're ready to absorb and you listen. As long as you're driven and you have the basic fundamental skills, you know, speak intelligently, be able to write an intellectual email, and be ready to go to work. I think people think this is too cute, especially for the, la the lady ages. Y'all think it's just all about, <laughs> all about the flyness, not about the work. The flyness is part the of it. The flyness is it's part of it. it. It's part you, of you, it. You better make time to do that flyness and get to work. And that's one, that's, that's one thing I really like when we was talking off camera. You were saying like how you study um, like market updates and you oh, even yeah. you educate your clients on like different mortgage rates and different mortgage opportunities. It's like you're not just selling them the home. Right. You're, you're educating them on, you know, different yeah. things. Because you're, you're more of an advisor. They're relying on you to give them some solid information. And if the only thing you know about an area is the, the color of the floors and what type of appliances and you don't really know about the area, you don't care about the development of the yeah. city, you're in the wrong business. Because you need to care about the development of the city because this is going to help you figure out what's going to happen 10 years from now. Like what I see happening from 10 years from now in Atlanta because I study this market, oh, we're going to be up. <laughs> 600,000 plus is going to be the new, that's going to be the new language here. It's happening already. And so I, I know where people need to go. Anything touching the city, you need to be there. You need to invest there. You need to get a piece of I'm land. Get a, I'm gonna get a place. Something. I'm gonna get a place out here in Atlanta. Noted. 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 It, 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 it <laughs> Atlanta alumni. <laughs> yeah. This is it this is your water. Nah, nah, we love Atlanta. Yeah. We was here yesterday. We was driving. I was telling Troy and Alex. Um, I'm like, we come here so much. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm visiting. I feel like I'm coming home. Right. Nah, I'm like, we starting to learn the streets. We know yeah. the streets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We were driving down the street. I'm like, yo, we going to Mike's house? Oh, we were like, oh yeah, we here. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know where Insomnia cookies are. Uh, cookies are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you got that home feel, you know, it's it's a different type of feeling when you get. Yeah, there. we love it here. Yeah. We love yeah. it here. There's always so much love that's given out. So. Well, Kiana, thank you for joining us. That was a lot of information. Thank you, um, yeah. thank you for rocking with us. We appreciate it. Um, how can the people contact you, like social media and oh, website? It's all easy. That? My name is Kiana Watson. Q-U-I-A-N-A-W-A-T-S-O-N. -A -A I'm Kiana Watson on Instagram. I am Kiana Watson on Facebook. I got KianaWatson.com. I am the brand. So <laughs> I'm Kiana Watson. Yeah. You know, come check me out. <laughs> Troy, some housekeeping yeah, items. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program. Uh, we have obviously some tears on there where you get exclusive content, exclusive merch. And obviously, we're putting out some extra episodes. So be sure to uh, log on to patreon.com backslash Earn Your Leisure to join us there. And everybody that's on Earn Your Leisure University, you know that is our online webinar. It's our online school, but we have webinars three times a week with myself, Shadi, uh, our boy, MG, the Morris guy. Shout out to our boy, Jamal, who does the Wednesday guest webinars. They are extremely educational and informational. So make sure y'all sign up for that. And everybody that's supporting the merch on earnyourleisure.com. Um, it has been moving really well. So shout out to everybody that's been purchasing. Uh, we, we appreciate it, and we love the support, man. Yeah, for sure. Make sure you check us in a city near you. Um, by the time you hear this, our Atlanta run will be over. And we had a, a live podcast, and uh, Kiana was one of our guests, and she did a wonderful, terrific job. Um, so next stop is Houston. You saw it by this time. You already have seen the footage of Atlanta. You know what we did out there. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. So H-Town, we pulling down. up. Uh, make sure you come out. And, um, yes, the book tip of this week is The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, uh, recommended by our guest. So if anybody is interested in being a real estate agent, that's probably a book that you should read. And you should also check out your pro your your class will probably be up by this time oh so. yeah my class is definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. go to agenttoolsforsuccess.com agenttoolsforsuccess on instagram agenttoolsforsuccess on facebook you see i am very strategic <laughs> <laughs>
No games. Going to, to success is definitely going to help you get some gems about running your business. Wow. Systems in place. Oh, yes. Systems. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, once again, thank you guys. Oh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube, Apple, Spotify channels. Like, yeah. subscribe, leave a comment. Please. Um, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.